All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. going on good people of the internet it is time for on comicsgrounds.com flagship podcast panel to panel where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such we are back we are back once again once again after last week's episode where we talked about everything that is emboldened with the new birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn is that right yes it is i hate the title Though, apparently, some cinemas are trying to change it to harley quinn colon birds of prey which i think is just stupid um that's worse that's worse that really is worse um but we go from that to basically the dumpster of dc events because i was like you know what it's the 30th episode of panel to panel let's just burn the hell out of one of dc's worst event books so what book am i talking about folks i'm talking about james robinson's cry for justice the book that was supposed to set up the new status quo for the Justice League right before the, the universe was rebooted very quickly because Dan DiDio, he went through all the effort of trying to reboot the entire universe within a span of a couple months during Flashpoint. But before that, we had about a year of an event and also a Justice League run by James Robinson where he basically tried to reestablish justice in the Justice League. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. But we're not, we're, we won't get into that right in a second. Well, uh, before we get into all of that, let me introduce myself and my team. My name is James Portis. I am enjoying some good Mountain Dew Livewire right now, k- killing brain cells, not much sugar. And, but, but, to, but to my left, we have the man who is very raw after reading this book for the first time. He just got done a little bit before the show. Mr. Travis Tucker, how are you doing today? Uh, kind of wishing Shade was not existing in this book. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Why are you hating on Shane? Because he stopped the he stopped it from the best ending it could have had. <laughs> I, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. And to my right, we have the woman who hates me for making her reread this this this, this event, but is also very happy that Batwoman is only briefly in in this event. Mary, how are you doing today? I just I can't. Not with this. Never again. 
Okay. I mean, this whole episode is just going to be me griping about this, so we should probably make it a shorter episode. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, don't forget, you can follow follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. You can check out the websites, Twitter and Instagram at OnComicsGround, and uh, check out the website, OnComicsGround.com. Put some hyphens between those words for me. So that way you can check out all of our reviews, previews, solicitations, all that good stuff. And you can uh, like check out all, all, the, all of our podcasts, whether it be Panel to Panel, uh, Blurred Grounds, Living on the Edge, all of the, also our newest project that's coming soon. We will have all these on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all these great platforms, except for SoundCloud. I'm trying to get us on iHeartRadio. But they have a 14 day business, like a 14 business day waiting period to be accepted, which is so freaking weird. Anyway, so this book, this book, I have my original trade that I bought when I was in eighth grade of this of, the, of this event. I had wandered into a Barnes and Noble looking for a good Justice League book to read, and I happened upon this at Blackest Night at the same time. And oh boy, <laughs> was I here for a treat. So when 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 uh Cry for Dust was the first uh, originally announced at Wizard World LA in 2008, James Robinson and uh Mario Cassioli, the the, the artist for the first six issues, uh announced this book. They had a they made a big point about um the Justice League seeking justice rather than responding to emergencies. They basically wanted to like erase the idea of just letting problems come to them. And after after the events of Blackest Night and Final Crisis, where you saw not only Batman die, but also uh, Martian Manhunter and saw the ghosts of all these old superheroes that had died in Blackest Night basically haunt the Justice League and all these other heroes, they're like, okay, no, we're sick of this. We're going to try to change the status quo. And it didn't go that well. <laughs> we go from them trying to have this pitch to then the original sales of the book were so low it turned from an ongoing new title for Justice League similar to like Justice League in, J- in JLA or Justice League Detroit or, or Justice League International. It changed from that to being a mini a miniseries slash event and low sales even impacted it more that rather than it being a new team, it just became, oh, James Robinson is just writing Justice League now and is picking up where this event leads off. So, the context for this book, like I said previously, this event is before the New 52, well, so we basically have... Oh, go ahead, Mary. I just want to point out that not only were sales bad, this book is universally panned. Like, <laughs> everybody hated it. And I remember going to the comic shop at the time it was releasing, and I had picked up the first issue because I saw that Batwoman was on the alternative cover, was on the variant, or whatever, because it's a split cover. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, this will be cool. I got about three issues in before I just couldn't. But <laughs> the, the comic shop that I was going to and that I was going to at the time, they just had stacks of them everywhere, because it was billed... Really? It was billed as the next big Justice League title, and then it just turned into a pile of crap. Like, it was Amazon's attack bad. We might have to do that at some point. No, we won't. <laughs> Mary, come on! <laughs> Imagine Travis's reactions to, to, to Amazon's attack. That would be glorious. Oh, <laughs> the Amazons decide to attack man's world I mean, and just kill everything. 
See, I can get down with that. I'm more so concerned with, did you pick Cry for Justice over Blackest Night? We could do Blackest Night at some point. I'm okay with that. No, I feel like no, we... no. When you were a child. <laughs> oh no, I picked, I picked, I picked up both at the same time. Like I, I picked up this book. I picked up Blackest Night, and I picked up uh, one of the Blackest Night tie-in books that had like half of the tie-ins because they had multiple trades that had the tie-ins for that thing because there were so many. Oh my god. So, oh, dude, Blackest Night had so many tie-ins. Oh my god. <laughs> like the one trade I had had. The the Batman tie-ins, the JSA tie-ins, and the Teen Titans tie-ins all in one trade. And then like I know I picked up one later that had like the Superman tie-ins and a couple other ones in it too. Like this is that event had too many tie-ins. But anyway, we go from all of that to Cry for Justice. So context, it, like I said, takes place between uh, before uh, New Fifty Two. It takes place between. Blackest Night and Brightest Day, if you need your context, the Justice League is like nothing because right before the the, the, the Blackest Night and like we had the event Final Crisis that like tore apart the Justice League. At the time of the book's writing, James Robinson had picked up from where Len Wein did some villain issues, uh, R.I.P. Len Wein. And before that, Dwayne McDuffie was writing the book up like up until um, all the events started. And literally, I kid you not, the lineup of the Justice League when James Robinson took over was Vixen, Dr. Light, Red Tornado, and I, uh, there was one other person. And it was Vixen, Dr. Light, Red Tornado, and Plastic Man. Like, there, this, the, there was nobody left from all the event killing. Like, everyone was gone. <laughs> and not like, not only that, Superman had just left Earth because of an event where they said there was one last Kryptonian city left alive, and because of all the events that had occurred during that book, Superman and Supergirl had been exiled from Earth. <laughs> so, that's a thing. So, if you need an explanation as to why during this book Superman only has, like, one cameo, it's because he's going to deal with that. So, let's start Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> so, cry, so, Cry for Justice begins with Hal Jordan basically throwing a bitch fit, where he's basically like, I'm so sick of all these villains just killing everybody. I'm sick. We, we lost Batman. We lost Martian Manhunter because Batman was killed by Darkseid, but in reality, his entire consciousness was just sent back through time, which makes no sense. <laughs> and Martian Manhunter was literally burned alive by some B-list villains which I really hate to this day. But um, the, the, the context of, of Martian Manhunter dying actually is what James Robinson uses as a loophole for Prometheus being like, out in the, in, like, during this event. So that's pretty fun. Anyway, like how Jordan throws this bitch fit, he's like, I, I hate that we're not proactive. I hate that we are just waiting for the villains to come to us. I, I, like, he basically gives the explanation of what Carol Danvers tried to give during um, Civil War II. And it's just really dumb of like, we need to like stop crying before it happens. We need to make these villains quake in their boots. It's like, that's illegal, Hal. <laughs> we, we can't just lock people up for not committing crimes. That's not how this works. <laughs> and from there, we have him basically saying, 
F you, Superman. F you, everybody. I'm leaving. Green Arrow, you coming. And, and Oliver's just kind of like, you know, I really don't agree with this. But, like, if someone doesn't go with him, this is going to be be bad for everybody. So I'm going to go. <laughs> and, like, even Black Canary's like, what the fuck are you doing? No. See, all he does during the entire fucking scene is say, oh, boy, over and over again. Yup. For giving this scene too much credit. He just says, oh, boy. And then, like, Hal puts up a bubble, and Ollie's like, all right, we're leaving? Cool. Like, like, Oliver's like, if someone does a row with this boy, no one will. Like I, like I just hate the scene solely because of the fact, like, because I just got done reading parts of Robinson's JLA run for the first time ever, and like I hate that like Superman, Black Lightning are here, like everybody's here, as if Dwayne McDuffie just got done writing when that's not the case. And I'm just like, y- y'all had this book in ruin a minute ago. The fuck you mean? But that that's so that annoys me. So basically, they 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 go and leave on their journey for justice. Because this entire book has almost every superhero that's a part of the team just yelling, "They want justice!" It, it's it's it, it's cringe. It's very cringe. So we go from there. So basically, we have Ray Palmer, Adam having returned from multiple different events, and Ryan Choi, the current Adam, which is, for anybody who saw um, Christ Son of the Earth, got introduced to Ryan Choi. So yay! But. Um, the entire thing revolves around them trying to track down who's been killing random people in like a- around town. And at, uh, Ray basically goes, you know what? I'm good for one more round. I'm going to put on my suit and go track down who did this. Because I'm Ray Palmer. Welcome to pain. And I hate that line so much. <laughs> and then he shrinks down and starts like messing with the guys. Ugh, I just, I can't. That, that that is like the epitome of what Ray Palmer does this entire event. He crawls into inside of people's nasal cavity and like like, like gives them na- like a sinus headache until they can't like like take it anymore. It's the weirdest freaking thing. Like I don't understand. So we go from there to Opal City, where Starman number two. So uh, Mikhail Thomas is from, like a uh, alien from a different world. He was Starman for like. Five minutes in a couple a couple old comics, and then James Robinson brought him back in a different book where James Robinson shows that he can write. If you go read his, his Starman run, it is excellent. But then you read this and it's like, what happened to you? Sure as hell can't write Wonder Woman. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Truth. <laughs> Because, like, um, so that's, that's why you can tell that James Robinson wanted to put some light on Starman because of Mikhail being in this book. But you get some you get some good gay representation from this book. I, I appreciate it because you see someone has killed Mikhail's a boyfriend or lover, and he's like, I'm literally about to wreck whoever did this. Like, he blows up a car. He like, screams out in his native tongue and is just like, justice! And then we, we pan over to Africa near... Um, the apes, the, the, the special ape city where uh, Gorilla Grodd is from, where someone has killed a bunch of gorillas and has stolen a gorilla scientist, but in the process killed the original host, the old man body of Congo Bill, Congo Gorilla, an old time superhero 
who basically would have the ability to uh, like change, like switch consciousness with a like immortal golden gorilla because he was like an Indiana Jones type adventure and would sw- switch consciousness with that gorilla. That way he could go adventure as a gorilla. And someone killed his human form, so now he's stuck as a gorilla forever. And they also kill a black man for no reason. They, they, they kill the, the superhero freedom beast, and I don't understand why. Uh, minor, minor superhero, but also a random death for no reason. Kind of hate it. <laughs> and then a, like Congo builders goes justice, and it's mm. it's mm. and that's literally the first issue in a nutshell. It's literally like you have Ray Palmer, uh, Starman, and, and Congo Gorilla going. I want justice for the wrongs that have been done. And then Hal Jordan's like, I'm so sick of everybody. I want my own justice, and leaves. Mary, your thoughts? It's... uh, (laughs) Everything is just going to be me saying this is stupid. Um, (laughs) I mean, just first of all, this setup is so weird. Explain. Kongorilla. That's why, like, do I need to explain Kongorilla? (laughs) I mean, but like, yeah. Yeah, like he's just there for like no reason. Like I get, I get a uh, Starman because James Robinson, but this randomly Congo Bill makes no sense. I mean, he was he was a side, he was an adventure character during the Golden Age, and he's just kind of one of those characters that doesn't really age well. Like, and I'm not saying that because it was overly controversial i mean arguments can be made like with everything but i i don't know it's just it is such a weird pick and it's supposed to try and be endearing and it's not i think that's one of the big failings of this book is that robinson fails to establish any kind of emotional connection yeah because, like, yes, all of, you know, various people have died or gotten hurt throughout the whole part of the book. And that's what the whole point is, is that, you know, these people want proactive justice for their wrongs instead of the reactionary Justice League. What, you know, the, the Justice League is reactionary by nature. The, the Avengers is the same thing. But it's just... It's a cool setup, but the execution is so horrific that I can't. <laughs> okay Travis do you have any thoughts on issue one before I proceed with the, with the pain and suffering uh it just seems like the gathering of the B team <laughs> it really does like now granted we've had B team Justice Leagues before like ha- like ju- Justice League Inter- International exists but like at, also, also Justice League Detroit exists but like th- this just seems the weirdest thing of like how Jordan and Green Arrow pull together the randomest like second string because everyone else was busy or dead. Bitch, this is like fourth string. Damn. I mean, other than Ollie and Hal, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, like, like Carrie and, and like, like Kara and Freddie are like, eh, like, like, like third string. Anyway, so we get to, we get to uh, issue two where Oliver and Hal are randomly in Gotham City trying to track down. They say they're trying to track down Libra because during Final Crisis, Libra is the one who killed Martian Manhunter. But 
randomly out of nowhere, they get the word from Batman's private detective that also Batman has a private detective. You know what they're actually trying to hunt down? What? The plot. <laughs> like, damn. Like, well, honestly, that's kind of what they do, because, like, they're like, oh, where's Libra? And then the, uh, Batman's personal detective shows up and goes, yo, like, it's we don't need to worry about Libra. A, Libra's already been kind of killed, and also Prometheus is just kind of trying to kill everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so they go on on a search to find Prometheus and they start beating up like every sea they they say they're trying to beat up every sea string villain in Gotham. But then you look at the art, the amazing art being do- done here. Like that's the one good thing is like what like issues 1 through 6 with art by uh Mario Cassioli like, like the art is so good. But the book is so cringe and bad. <laughs> And, like, you look on the ground in multiple shots, you see, like, Black Manta on the ground, like, like, you see Killer Frost on the ground. It's like, not all these villains are, like, seed string. Like, you see Mr. Freeze, and it's like, who who told him to draw these people here, and, like, why? And And they're, like, trying so hard to find Prometheus, and they say they found Prometheus, but then... Um, we, we had an earlier shot in this issue where Ray Palmer went to the Flash Museum and Jay Garrick, the first Flash, is there. And come to find out, someone has stolen technology from the Cosmic Treadmill, which was which has been shown in multiple episodes of Flash for anybody who needs context of that. A very special time-traveling or multiverse-bending treadmill, which I, I, I never understood that. Anyway, we... Someone stole technology from the Cosmic Treadmill and also killed three of Jay Garrick's like friends and old colleagues from his runs of the book. And come like come to find out that it's really Prometheus because of the fact that Ray Palmer crawled inside of someone's nasal cavity. And right as Ray Palmer goes to to, to find Prometheus in Gotham City. The, the new Shazam shows up. Now, specifically, it is Shazam, because this is right after the lawsuit between Marvel and DC had come to a close, and they had went through all the process of, oh, Billy Batson's dead, and Freddie Freeman has taken over as the, 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 the chosen one of the wizard, and they're officially calling him Shazam instead of Captain Marvel. And it, it, it's like maybe his second outing as Captain, as Captain Marvel slash Shazam, and... He's just randomly put in this book. And he's not on the Justice League later, which is so weird. But anyway, he shows up and goes, hey, people have been killed. I'll help you find justice. Okay. And they fly off to Gotham City to go join the rest of the team. And they show up. They compare notes. And they make a couple random jokes. And Supergirl shows up to end the book. And it's like, huh? Why is Supergirl here? And earlier pages, we find out that, oh, Kongorilla and Starman have confronted one another at the secret base they think Prometheus is. And they end up teaming up after beating each other's asses for a while. Which, the oh my god, the art on that fight is just so good. That's I will always say the art in this book is glorious, but it, does, it doesn't it's like, it like change the fact that the writing here is just god-awful. So... Issue two, any thoughts before I move on? <laughs> I mean, 
the fact that um, Supergirl and Batwoman are even remotely associated with this book is I believe it was Newsarama that Robinson had done an interview with who basically said that the inclusion of those two was to get the iconic emblems on the team. So, wow. yeah, so there was really no servable purpose for either one of them to be there except for the fact that they are a super and a bat, respectively, if you will. And what's even crazy is the fact that, like, in the next issue, we find out that Supergirl's here because her father has been killed off world by somebody. And it's like, wow, Prometheus killed your dad? That's a little much. How did he get to this new Kryptonian city? And it's like, no, he someone just killed him, and I'm here to help you guys find justice. It's like, that's really loose thread to bring you into this book, but okay. Like I, I I never understood why she was here, but hearing that of like, oh, you just want the emblems here is kind of like a middle finger to both these characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, at the time, Supergirl wasn't nearly as popular as she had been because, you know, she'd been dead and then it was Linda Danvers for way the hell longer than it needed to be. And then they brought Kara back. And at that point, you know, Kate was still kind of a nebulous character. She was just kind of all over the place. So, yeah. (laughs) Travis, any thoughts before we go on? Uh, I mean, I... uh, The groans tell it all, and I feel so bad. Yeah, I have other places to beat the crap out of this story. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. So I'll press forward. Um, issue four is like actually no wait my my third point my third point yeah issue like issue four is basically the entire team actually basically issue four is Green Lantern is a dick to Kara and says hey weren't you just a villain a while back and makes her cry and Green Arrow's like oh don't worry honey so dumb. Like, he, he just hasn't had a chocolate bar today. I'm sorry for a mean man. Like, you How just... the fuck does Hal do that? That was my thing. Like, of all people to make Supergirl cry, why is it Hal? Especially when Hal's the one who was, like, infected with a space bug and tried to kill the entire planet. Like, what? You got a Bro, lot of room to talk, my guy. It wasn't very long ago that that dude was straight up possessed by Parallax. Like, <laughs> oh, you got a lot of room to talk, my guy. So, like that—that's basically how issue four starts. Is like how's a dick to Supergirl, and we go from that to um, Ray Palmer crawling inside of uh, the supposed Prometheus's nasal cavity. Which that moment right there, unless um, Clayface actually goes through the effort of building the entire human body while he's transformed into somebody. I don't understand how Ray wasn't up in there like, this isn't Prometheus. <laughs> like, am I the only one that thought that while reading that? Like, how, how did Ray not know? Like, I just... Because come to find out, this this Prometheus that they've captured is actually a Clayface. It's not the Clayface, because in the old DC canon, there was multiple Clayfaces. Like, I think it was like five or six just random Clayfaces besides Basil Carlo. Very strange. 
Um, and like apparently Prometheus had changed the genetic makeup of this specific clay face. They don't even say what clay face it is. They just say it's a clay face. And the clay face says, oh, he's changed me to be more like Carlo. And like, he explodes with a giant bomb that was placed inside of him and blows up a good chunk of the like of the downtown area of Gotham. And it was just very random. And come to find out that Batwoman is stalking them in the shadows, making her like obligatory cameo because gotta have that emblem apparently. And like Starman and Bill are like flying back to the mainland after going to Blackhawk Island trying to find Prometheus. And they like end up being attacked by robots because okay, sure, let's go with that. They end up ripping the top off the plane and jumping into the water to fight the robots. And once the plane's done and the robots are done, Starman's like, I can't carry an 800 pound gorilla, my guy. And he's like, Oh, it's cool. I'll swim. <laughs> like, Bill, why are you here? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I, I just don't. Like, we go from that into like the explosion occurring. And th- they say that Freddy saves everybody by like like saying the, the Shazam word and making the lightning come down and save everybody but that doesn't make any sense because the lightning only saves him did anyone else notice that yeah no i, I can't unnotice it <laughs> oh. oh no so now it's time to talk about retcons because James Robinson fancies him a retconning man. So, Prometheus has a meeting with one of his colleagues discussing his evil plan. And Prometheus basically goes, nah, see, those other Prometheuses you've seen since um, the Morrison run of Justice League, those weren't me. You know that Prometheus that squared up against uh, Gail Simone's Birds of Prey? Ah, that, that was an impersonator. That wasn't the real me. You, you, you know... Like the, the the one that had been in identity crisis at a couple other events, that nah, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. In fact, when Martian Manhunter died, because apparently back in the day, Batman and Martian Manhunter had wiped Prometheus's memory. That way, he wouldn't have like the the ability to, to take down the entire Justice League. Apparently, um, when Martian Manhunter died, the mind block power that they have placed on like Prometheus, like and locked him up in a, in a an insane asylum, disappeared. So he got all of his memories back, and he broke out of prison, killed the, um, the the impersonator Prometheus, and is now trying to destroy the Justice League since Batman and Martian Manhunter are dead. He's like, screw it, I'll just kill the whole Justice League. And I'm just like, that is the like most craziest retcon bullshit I've ever heard of. And also, not only is it, is it a middle finger to Gail Simone, but it's also a middle finger to Brad Meltzer, the writer of Identity Crisis, because of the fact that Batman literally told Green Arrow, Hal Jordan, Barry Allen, and, and Dinah that wiping people's memories is bad, and then they wiped his memory because of it. So, when I read this book, I find myself just in awe of the stupidity involved in this. Like, did James Robinson not think this was a bad idea? <laughs> I think the big problem is that Robinson and I don't I don't normally like to shit talk creators like this, but in this case I'm gonna. Um 
I almost feel like he thought he was writing a smarter book. Because identity crisis is a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it's not entirely stupid. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it is a ridiculously dumb book. But, and I think if you want to compare apples to apples, cry for justice for to anything else, I think it has to be identity crisis in terms of, you know, what's happening and how absolutely stupid the motives are yeah because and i think that's the one thing that gets me is that ray decides to shrink down and go up people's noses and to fuck with their nasal cavity and brains and shit after his ex-wife killed sue dibney by stomping around in her brain Mm. Like, You're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. It kind of because that's what Jean did. She took those. She took the Adam suit and she shrunk down and she stomped around and Sue Dibney's head and accidentally killed her. And she's like, "Oh no, I didn't mean for this to happen." So I'll set your body on fire. Yeah, and then to have Ray turn around and do something similar because justice. Like, it's just it's so dumb, and I hate it when you know writers will take things into account and make things that are not only counterintuitive to the character's nature but also reflect poorly on material that came before yeah because there's mm. there's just a lot of things that happen in this book that have either been done before or I mean, and obviously, you know, comics, it's just a rehash of everything else. And I understand that. But some of the things that happen in Cry for Justice play out almost exactly like other storylines. Like, yeah. you know, like we were, we were talking about before the show with Superman Sacrifice. And, you know, I'll wait to make that point until we get there. But... Yeah, and we go from, like, because like, I, I, was, I was incorrect. I was looking at the trade wrong. That all happened in issue three. Like all of this explanation and bullcrap happened in explanation, like issue three. When we go to issue four. Issue four is literally just, oh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and Adam have a dick measuring contest of, oh, you think I've done stupid shit? You've done stupid shit too. And it's like, did we need to have this discussion? Like, yeah, Green Ar- Green Arrow done some bad shit. Green Lantern's killed a lot of people. A- a- Adam's done some not so good shit. And then Kara and Freddy, I feel so bad for these two. They're just sitting there like, why are the old guys arguing? <laughs> and, and like, and, like, and, and, like those are the only things that happen in the book. And then you flash over to the fight with the robots that Bill and Michael have, and they end up swimming to shore. And that's, the, that's all issue four is. It's very brief and very weird. Of And also, Jay Garrick starts putting the work in to gather the uh, super forces that he, the auxiliary members of the justice league and the justice society that are going to need, be needed for this book. That's all issue four is we go to issue five and issue five starts in the weirdest way possible. I kid you not. Issue five starts in the weirdest way possible because a uh, bill and, and Starman show up at animal man's house, buddy Baker's house. And they're like, Hey, remember that one time that, Kanga Gorilla and Animal Man were on a team called the Forgotten Heroes. Oh, you forgot? That's cool. Yeah, that's why they're called the Forgotten Heroes. I was like, what? 
Like I literally like I reached into my 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 um my bookcase today and pulled out my giant DC comics encyclopedia that like they publish every few years and I looked at the book and was like, yeah, the forgotten heroes existed. <laughs> and then and then randomly Donna Troy and Starfire are at Animal Man's house using their like him and his wife's pool. So they're like, hey, we'll help you too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who, who told y'all y'all could be <laughs> like i i know that animal man and donna have a slight relationship like 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 or like friendship because of infinite crisis but i don't know how starfire and animal man know each other mary you have any idea <laughs> i think they yeah 52 i think is when they work together Okay, because like I never understood about like, why randomly Donna and Corey are just at uh, Animal Man's crib. I I never understood that. I think it's because of Fifty Two. Okay, cool. So we go from like them just randomly being at his house to then the the, the whole gang of Ray, Supergirl, uh, Shazam, Hal, and, and Oliver go to the watchtower to explain to what I guess is the league because like Hawkman, Hawk Girl, um, Red Tornado, Red Arrow, all these people are here. And and it's like, wasn't the Justice League just a minute ago, Vixen and a couple other and a couple other people? How are y'all all here for this? And they have Barry go, How Ollie, you have some explaining to do. Like this is an episode of I Love Lucy and it was freaking hysterical. <laughs> And the, 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 like as they're trying to explain everything that's going on, Batwoman calls the, the Watchtower, having found a random ice villain called Endless Winter, who started to expose Prometheus's entire plan of like, oh, all this has been a distraction, and, and now uh, Prometheus is trying to destroy the Justice League. But as she's trying to get this information, she ends up dying randomly from something. And so Batwoman called up to the Watchtower like, hey, I have a body for you. <laughs> but thank goodness my boots were insulated. Mm, I, I love... Uh, you you want to explain the context of that? <laughs> it's such a dumb line. I'm sorry. Because Kate decides to pin her to the wall very sexily by having a foot against her throat. Like, mm-hmm. all she had to do was kick Cape's knee, and, like, she just would have gone down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thankful that Kate was not in this book very long. <laughs> because the whole story behind that is that she, because, you know, she's on the cover, and was originally slated to join this particular Justice League, but join it later down the line. This was a mini introduction for when he would, when Robinson would bring her back later and have her join the team. But when the book was shorted to seven issues, she was dropped entirely, which is a good thing in my opinion. (laughs) Because I don't want to know what James Robinson would have done with a lesbian character. That's very true, because after after reading an ongoing of him doing Fantastic Four after Hickman, I'd be afraid to give him Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, it would be so many cisgendered straight male stereotypes. Oh my god. 
<laughs> so <sighs> randomly, Roy Harper, like, because now he's been Red Arrow for a couple of years now. He's been part of the Justice League. He leaves the main like issue that's been going on because someone found a device of the seismic weapon that Prometheus is trying to use. And Roy goes, hey, I need to call my daughter because it's almost her bedtime in, in Star City. So he goes to um, like go call her. And, okay, cool, whatever, whatever. But when Congo Gorilla, Animal Man, Donna Troy, Starfire, and Starman all show up at the Watchtower, Congo Gorilla randomly smells blood. And he's like, oh, shit, okay, cool, I'm going to go check this out. He runs down the Watchtower hallway, runs into Supergirl, and randomly Supergirl's just in this hallway. We, we're, we're guessing that like she was like about to go make out with uh, Freddy when randomly Freddy ran off. Because, come to find out, Freddy has chopped off and maimed Roy Harper's arm and like made like and is like beat him to hell and back because there's this visceral, well drawn scene by the artist. And but you just see Roy go, I can't feel my fingers and collapses on the ground. And oh, oh. I I hate looking at it, but I look at it and I'm just like, the art is so beautiful, but I hate this scene every time I see it. Like, it's almost a prelude to what happens in uh, Heroes in Crisis, and it, it kind of burns at my soul. Like, please tell me I wasn't the only one hurting when I saw this. I think at that point, my brain had just kind of collapsed in on itself and created just a black hole. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, like, like a lot of the big stuff that was happening late, it was kind of just like a torrent of word bubbles and me being like, okay, next panel. <laughs> and honestly, the panel layout for this issue in particular is just so messy and I hate it. I, I definitely agree with that because like it, it, this is there's so many random squares of face shots and then jumps and then it's, it's very strange and like randomly they're like oh hey you have Superman's powers cauterize his arm and then randomly uh, um Bill and Supergirl get attacked and Oliver finds a Roy's body and he's just like son oh this hurts bro. Like, this is the one time in, in anything involving Green Arrow, or, like, when something like this happens in a, in a Green Arrow story, this is when he goes from being the snarky bitch to then turning into what you see on a CW. Him serious. And I'm about to kill a bitch. Like, this is what the transitional should have been for that show. Of, A, I'm a snarky motherfucker. To, you have failed this city. Like, that's what it should have been, damn it. But that's, that's <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he should have went, you have failed this city, because, like, the whole first season was him just murdering people. That's yep. neither here nor there. <laughs> but anyway, like the, the, the issue ends with Fre Freddie and Kara squaring off. Barry has been, like, beat the fuck up, and, and, um, and Bill's been... Like burned to death, it looks like. But apparently, Bill can hate, can heal really e easily since he's an immortal gorilla, so he'll be fine. Barry looks a little rough. We we move on to the, the uh, to, to this to the next issue where the art just drastically changes. I don't know. They, I don't think they ever confirmed why. Um, 
but I don't know if it confirms why Cassioli couldn't keep up with the workload. Like, I know his art's insanity, and it's such a good quality, but I never understood why the art just drastically changed. Mary, do you have any insight on this? No, not really. I mean, like, just... I don't know anything concrete. Damn. That sucks. Well, Scott Clark is here to fill in. And his art isn't bad by any means. Like, it it looks like like it's just it's very jarring from where we just came from, if that makes sense. And it like the entire issue is just Prometheus Prometheus reveals himself and tears through the entire Justice League. Like he he shoots Kara like like like, like with a random weapon. Everybody shows up. We have um, Prometheus shoots Satana in the throat so she can't say a spell. Prometheus blasts Plastic Man with something to like make him disintegrate. Right? He he does something to Red Tornado. He beats up Dinah. He tries to shoot Starman. Like he like he cuts off Hawkman and Hawkgirl's wings for like like two minutes. Like it, it's it's so weird what occurs here. And then he shoots Donna Troy against a wall with two. Um, arrows and like, like locks her like, like he's like oh normally she can deflect things with her bracelets like Wonder Woman but he, the, the arrows are so strong they go directly through her wrist like she's Jesus and pins her to the wall and then Donna just says F that I'm gonna rip my arms off the freaking like wall that I'm attached to and runs over and just starts beating the ever living crap out of out of um what um freaking Prometheus. See, I hate scenes like that because I mean, you know, Donna beating the shit out of Promethe- Prometheus. It's a cool fucking scene, but it yep. has such a stupid setup because he wanted a cool scene. Like, because just her ripping her arm, you know, ripping her wrists off. And, you know, she just kind of tackles him and, you know, he's got blood everywhere coming out of his mouth. Like, it's a really cool visual, but I hate it when really cool scenes have the stupidest setups. Because they can't, they couldn't figure out how to make it work. So they just give it this really dumb setup. Like, oh, these arrows were strong enough to break through the magical Amazonian bracer, you know. Yeah, Prometheus as I was telling James before the show, doesn't deserve this much gas at all. Explain. He's a fucking street-level precognition fighting guy. So him doing all of this to people who are so above his weight class is so freakishly outlandish to me. It's like the dude was like, what if Batman was a haphazard villain? Here, Here's Prometheus. Here you go. Yeah, because even yeah. in an early issue, Freddy's like, 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 like Shazam's up in here, like, wow, he's like, if Batman is a villain, and if Batman's dead, like, we're kind of in trouble. <laughs> Look, because yeah, if Batman was alive, Prometheus would have never got this far, ever. At least we avoided the twist of Prometheus being a zombified Bruce Wayne or something. Oh, Jesus, that would have been horrible. But that is the only thing that could have made this book dumber. I mean, it would have made more sense than than, than um, Omega Beam sending Bruce through time. No, I'll say that much. Like, and then, well, uh, uh, like, and, and then there's even a scene right before Donna beats up Prometheus where you see Firestorm get torn apart 
into um like what's what's his freaking name? I can't think because the CW changed him to Jax. Um not the actual firestorm. I can't think. Hey, hey, computer, help me because the CW ruined everything for me. Um do 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 I can't find his name. Jason Roosh. They took they have Firestorm get separated into Jason Roosh and his girlfriend, which funnily enough, Jason Rush was separated from his girlfriend in um Blackest Night, and his girlfriend was killed. So shows how much you put that by, uh, attention you paid, Robinson, because it's very obvious from this book that it's between in like Blackest Night and Brightest Day, and if it's not, and it's before Blackest Night, then it makes even less sense because of how, how much bullcrap goes on. If you're gonna say that all this takes place before Blackest Night, okay, fine, but Jesus Christ, because. The idea of Roy and Leon, oh god, that would be horrible. Wait, was was Roy in Blackest Night? Because maybe this does take place for Blackest Night. I'm just bitching for no reason. I swore this took place after Blackest Night. Now it's going to bug me if I don't even look into it. Um, No, it, it, it takes place after, I think. Because Roy is not really present in the book, so that that would be the only thing that would prevent it from tying in or not. So yeah, weird. Okay, so yeah, the 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 and then finally they managed to get a hold of Prometheus because Donna Troy beats his ass, and then Shade, the villain Shade, who's been helping Jay Garrett gather all of the the second string heroes to help with with the the, the end fight. He he, like, he already got blasted by Prometheus Mendigo with light energy, which basically Robinson just like took a middle finger to one of his own favorite characters because of the fact that he made Shade an amazing character during his Starman run. And Shade just walks up and goes, hey, Donna, let's not beat him to death because that would be very bad. And you're above that. <laughs> I can't help but remember a few, like, like a few months slash maybe a year or two before where Donna Troy just snapped a man's neck. And it's like, no, we, we, we ain't above killing around here. Thoughts? Travis, I know, you, I know you wanted to bitch. What happened? Hello? Uh, uh, <laughs> He's just growl, groaning in the background. <laughs> it, I, I'm at a loss, honestly. Like, it's so contrived. <laughs> That's I can think of no better word for this. I just, oh. The whole thing is just so damn frustrating, to be honest. It's it's not what exactly happened. It's everything that led up to here that I was like, fucking why? Every time. Every step of the way. That's fair. Any more so the, I mean, it's just the fact that it got that it got to this after all the fucking whys is just like, uh, you see, we'd have never got here if they just paid attention to basic shit, basic comic-related things that have already happened. Ugh. I feel like, I feel I, like I, you, you needed that venting. I, I, I am sincerely, like, kind of bothered I read this book. <laughs> I could have <laughs> lived, lived a little longer without these seven issues in my life. 
See, now you know why I've been angry all week. <laughs> I felt like it would have been a good burning session. Like, it, it, this has been fun. And, like, you you have, um like, when they, they finally put Prometheus in a, in a lockup. And they're like, yeah, you're not getting out of here. But then Prometheus goes, nah, nah, see, y'all gonna let me out of here. Because I have made it so multiple important cities in the DC canon are going to phase out of time and space and slowly get destroyed by earthquake machines. And they're like, nah, man, nah, we'll, we'll find them. We'll stop them. It's like, nah, nah, see, about that. Like, That's so stupid. You, you, You're sugarcoating it too, James. You're sugarcoating it because he's like, I'm going to protect your cities and send them through space time. Oh wait, I'm incompetent, so I botched that. <laughs> yeah, he he, bo- he botched the machines, but also he's like, "Oh no, Oliver, since you want to talk shit, randomly I chose you out of everyone in this book to have your city be destroyed first. The one person that hasn't been a dick the entire book. He's like, your city dies first. That's why I maimed your sidekick. That's why I destroyed your city." You, I'm randomly picking you for no reason. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> so, issue seven starts with uh, Casalioli coming back for one page to, like, show how angry Oliver is. And then everyone goes, okay, cool. Screw you, Prometheus. We're going to go figure out how to, how to save the cities. So, we get to Star City. Me and Deerton is here. I love you, girl. Do your thing. And then she does her thing for like a few minutes, and then like like she beats up Electrocutioner because he's helping um, Prometheus with placing his machines, and all the earthquakes start. She gets trapped under some rubble. Donna and Starfire and Firestorm show up, and they're like, and they're like "Oh, Speedy, we got you!" And she's like, "Holy shit, Leanne!" And I'm like, "What?" And I go over to where she was just babysitting Leanne because like she saw Electrocutioner outside. So she's put on her suit and goes out. But let the earthquakes start. And Leanne Harper, the, the daughter of Roy and the villain Cheshire, has been killed by the earthquakes that are occurring. <sighs> this is where the book genuinely crosses from stupid to unfucking necessary. Yeah. That was the best way to phrase that. Because killing kids in comics, it, it it's a bit of a touch-and-go issue. Because, you know, the death of children is something that a lot of people are sensitive to. And to do it in such a stupid fashion, just stupid, 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 that, you know, it's all boiled down to shock value. Because Leanne, she was a very popular character. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people liked her. And then, you know, to just do this to make Roy go crazy, like, I'm going to be that person, like, Robinson fridged her, just so Roy could have extra man pain, you know? He really did. He really did fridge her. Holy shit. And he, like, yeah. It it becomes a massive issue even later on with, you know, when we see Cheshire pop up in Secret Six, like, it just, it it is just dumb every which way. 
And it's like, like Mary just said, Leanne was a popular character. Like, I don't know if James Robinson had just a bone to pick with like Green Arrow characters or Roy Harper specifically, but like in the original Titans run that happened in the nineties, Leanne was around. She was like, like the, the honorary teen Titan. Like, like she would be at the, at the tower, like Rose Wilson before she became Ravager was her babysitter. Like she was part of the family. So for randomly her to just be taken out, it was like, why? Why are you doing this? It makes no sense. Honestly, it's also a lazy narrative because it's someone that he can kill to get a huge emotional reaction out of without actually having to interfere with superhero plots and stories and characters. Yo. So it's just, it's kind of lazy. And, like, um, whoever wrote Convergence Titans during the time when Convergence was going on later during the New 52 literally said, you know what? I hate that. I hate that they killed Leanne Harper. Yeah, Fabian Isienza. He came in and just said, you know what? I hate that you did that, James. I'm going to bring her back from the dead in the easiest way possible just to give you a middle finger. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much, because I hated what they did. Like, this was the one like part of the book, because I was enjoying, like, the emotional points. I was, like, when I was a kid reading this book, I was like, this is good. This is, like, there's a lot of pain going on. There's a lot of stupidity, but I'm enjoying this book. And then they go, not only is Roy named, you killed his daughter. And I was pissed. Like, you, you took the one step that I was like, nope, you hurt my boy. And that's not okay. And I remember a little, a little bit ago when, when I was listening to, to Travis read this live in, in the Discord, he got to this moment and he was hurt. So welcome to, to as Roy Roy would say, as as Ray Palmer would say, welcome to pain, Travis. You ever had a sinus headache? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the whole reason he did it was that so everyone could cry for justice. Oh, wow. uh, Ooh, everyone how... literally did first issue. I was like, this is so corny. <laughs> and it's like, we go from this, and like everybody's trying to like stop the, 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 the machines from happening. Barry and Jay Garrick are running around um, the city trying to like stop the earthquakes from happening and trying to find the, um, the, 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 the freaking machines. The, the sea devils. From the deepest bowels of DC canon, the Sea Devils find the machine and slowly start to d- d- dismantle it. But Prometheus is like, you can't disarm it. I couldn't even fix it correctly. And they're like, really, bro? So Miss Martian walks in. The only Martian left since uh, John's dead. And is like, I'm going to read your mind. And he goes, nah, I wouldn't do that. And he, I, and he just, like, just wrecks her brain for a good five minutes. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we're kind of fucked. And the art style changes again. We have, we have, a, we have um, Ibram Robertson coming in and changing like, over to his art style for the, like, for the good, rest of the good chunk of the book. And they randomly happen upon uh, like, like the two people in Fawcett City where they find Freddie Freeman, Shazam, tied to a chair and his mouth sewn shut, like literally stitched shut. So he can't say Shazam. That is some visceral shit right there. 
Like, I, 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 like that takes some like really annoyance with a character just to make him not say his power. I felt that to be like, like mad disrespectful. To be honest with you, like just plain out from the creators' disrespect to the character. We don't like Freddy. Fuck Freddy. Wire his mouth shut. Yep. And like, like he says the, the, the word and like destroys the first machine. And they're like, guys, we good? Nope, we're losing Faucet. Faucet's coming down. <laughs> and like everyone's like, dude, we're losing everybody's lives and shit. Like everything's going to hell. And um, and, and Prometheus is like, just let me go. And y'all, can, I'll, I'll turn it off. It's okay. And, and like even Diana's like, Nah, fam. I don't. I don't bargain with killers. Also, Diana, where have you been this whole book? What happened? It would Diana's be, in one panel. It would be too convenient to have you know a hero that can actually like do stuff properly. I guess. Well, I mean, because the only other one that could somehow was able to be convinced by Shade to not to beat this dude to death. It's like the yeah. one Diana thing that needed to happen. <laughs> And then Green Arrow just goes, "Look, I hate this bitch too. He 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 hurt my son. He killed my granddaughter. I'm not in, in a good in a good fit about this. But like, we gotta let this man go. And so Ray Palmer and Vixen let um him go, and he gets away. And in the remnants of all of it, the like the whole town center of of Star City has just been wrecked." Mary, I heard, I heard you say something. You want to speak on this? It's so fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> so dumb. I mean, and I know that what? that's been about 80, 80% of my responses in this episode, but it's just, it is so sloppily written that Prometheus is way, way, way too overpowered because anything that needs to, like, he is plot resistant because instead of you know thinking up a you know a, a way that they could get him to give the information with a moral quant you know without having to stoop to even more stupidity like he completely bypasses all of that and go nope 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 he's too strong he's too strong nope 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 like it's oh my god it's so dumb there is no complexity to this script at all other than shock that yeah, they even went as far as to bring in Miss Martian. Oh, she's useless. Oh, okay. Let's just not try again. <laughs> like I, I, like I, I just sat there in awe. Like, damn, he, he just like Miss Martian just flat out got brain blasted by this dude. <laughs> and I get that the point Robinson is trying to make is that you know the traditional methods of a superhero are ineffective. Like and and you know that thesis comes through very clearly, but not because it's a well delivered plot, but because it's so fucking stupid that they have to resort that that Robinson has to resort to these fantastical you know magical plot hand waving bullshit to show how ineffective it is. Like it, it's just frustrating. Yeah, and it's like we get like and, and then now granted. He he does get some prop, uh, like a one percent prop, because of the fact that the book ends with Prometheus having gotten away, 
And then he's like, yeah, I did it. I beat the league. I did it. And then he, he, hears, he hears a sound and goes, what? How did you break in here? And you, you just see the arrow fly. And straight through the motherfucking head. And Oliver just goes, justice. And that ruins the entire scene. What? Because the art is so well done. Mm. And then you just have Oliver going, justice. Like, uh, if if that hadn't been the running thing for like the first three issues, I would have been fine. But it's just... <laughs> uh, by that point, you're, like I said, your brain is collapsed into a black hole. And it's just like, <laughs> really? Again? And what's great is, what's so funny was when Travis was, was reading it earlier, he like, he like foresaw the future. He was like, I really just want like Oliver to shoot him in the nostril. And I was like, funny you should say that, Travis. And he gets to the end, it was like, damn. <laughs> I think I do have a problem with the whole justice line because it's like if I wanted that green arrow, I'd just watch Arrow. I mean, yeah, you could watch Arrow, but this is the one time where I was like, yeah, like his boy's just been like had his arm ripped off and his his granddaughter's been killed. I'm gonna give him a pass, and then not not even like the next mini series where we had the rise and fall of Green Arrow. You see the Justice League trying to convict Oliver of murder because of him killing Prometheus. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Did you mean that, you know, when Wonder Woman got tried for killing Max Lord? Oh my god, it's like it's the same thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, the the rise and fall, it just, it gets me for a multitude of reasons. One of them being, it is just a straight rip of the Wonder Woman Maxwell Lord situation. Except for the fact, I, I feel like Robinson wanted Green Arrow shooting Prometheus to kind of be that polarizing and that profound of a moment. And it just, it wasn't yeah because i mean there's actual like complexities in the story that lead you know wonder woman killing maxwell lord to be a genuinely difficult topic to wrestle with because everybody has a really strong opinion about it like was she right or was she wrong like and oliver does it for revenge and you know you can argue the whole revenge versus justice thing but and I know he's trying to point out that that's kind of where the lines blur, but it's presented so stupidly. And yeah, can I just point out my one gigantic problem with the rise and fall? Speak on it. The scene where Flash and Green Lantern and I don't remember who else is there. Um, they find Prometheus and he's gotten shot through the head, through the forehead. But somebody took the arrow out, took the helmet off of Prometheus, and then stuck the arrow back in his head. Because it's it's the only panel where he doesn't have his helmet on. But in order to do that, they would have had to have taken the arrow out, take the helmet off, and stick it back in. That's excessive. Well, no, you don't actually see it. It's an art mistake. Because any time else, because, you know, Green Arrow shot him through the helmet. Yep. But it was an art mistake that he was um, 
drawn without it. So it's just his, you know, his head with the arrow in it. I'll show you the panel later. It's just, it bothers me because, I mean, obviously, you know, comics are going to have art consistencies here and there. But with a helmet as pronounced as Prometheus is like, I don't know. And it's like, damn, like Oliver had to have put some force behind that shot for it to just straight shatter this man's helmet. Like, you think Prometheus would have had, like, some kind of, like, shielding for that, just in case of murder. Like, yeah, he's in his place, and his guard's down, but, like, you think that helmet would have some kind of, like, plating to it. Damn, that shot is just so well done of him getting shot in the face. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest, like, one of the other problems with this book is that the art is is very good at times. And it just kind of drops off. Yeah. Oh, uh, see, that's just dumb. Yeah, I sent you the picture. It's just dumb. Okay, that's that's really dumb. Okay, and then what? Like, and and I'll, I'll even like, and Mary, we were we were joking on Twitter this past week about the the, the um like the rise of Arsenal, and w- which is the other spinoff book that comes out of out of this, because they like they spend all this time trying to make Roy an anti-hero again after this 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 event. And it's so dumb. <laughs> like this was the one thing that came out of the event that it was like, why are you trying so hard? Because they had the fall of Green Lantern and the rise of Arsenal. Like they had it like the whole border of the book was was rise and fall. And I was like, why does this exist? <laughs> Like, like they they spend multiple issues of the of of this this little mini series of Roy and Green Arrow slugging it out. They have Dick Grayson, Batman punch him in the face. Um, there's a whole scene where um Cheshire and him like, like Cheshire comes to his apartment, and tries to kill him. Like you let our daughter die. It's like I wasn't there. And they try to have like emotional like like sex over it, and then Roy can't get it up. And I was like. Who the hell? Like, why? That's a lot, fam. That's a lot, fam. Like, like you, you just like you, you just like handy, handy. You, you, you handicapped him in a previous event, and then you just like you ruined him like that. And like JT Cruel wrote it, and JT Cruel has like the random list, randomest times to pop in and out of shit. And like, cause because he's done Green Arrow work, he he like he was he even wrote some tie-ins for Blackest Night and wrote like for some, wrote some stuff for Teen Titans. And I'm just like, dude, you 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 took a misstep on Rise, on Rise of Arsenal, <laughs> Mary. I, I, you wanted to speak on Rise of Arsenal. What are your thoughts? Take a wild guess. Boo. Yeah, no, it it is just as dumb as everything else. (laughs) Like, I can understand a writer wanting something awful to happen to a character to progress their development, if you will. And I'm not arguing that bad things can never happen to characters, but when it's done this ridiculously... Like, I just, I don't know. Adding the erectile dysfunction on top of, 
you know, the fact that he lost his arm, the fact that he lost his daughter, like, at that point, it doesn't feel like development, it feels like mockery. And, and like, they tried to turn him into, like, Red red Hood at, at the turn of this, and it was just, like, like, like having him have, like, swords and weapons, like, like, like how he was when he was originally Arsenal, but have him be, like, an anti-hero version of how he was, and it's just, like, no. Just No. I mean, Jason Todd works as Red Hood because he was killed and brought back with the Lazarus Pit. And I can understand if Roy was just a man who lost everything and snapped. That would be one thing, but it's not presented like that. And I I think that's my big problem is that it's all in the presentation that, you know, losing his arm and losing Leanne that could have been something really powerful and I think it would have been I I honestly don't even know my brain has collapsed into a black hole (laughs) how do you you consistently try to deconstruct and critique a run this goddamn stupid it's hard like I feel like we need to like go to the other end of the spectrum for the next for next week and find a good book because this is this was bad. <laughs> I have a couple ideas. We 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 will have to revisit this, Travis. Uh, now that you're here, hearing us, bitch, a good a good minute. Uh, what 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 are your what are your thoughts on this entire event? Yeah, I feel like this is a prototype Tom King writing, Ooh. but makes way less sense. I'm gonna be honest. I must say, like, I made the joke earlier. This feels like Heroes in Crisis and beta testing. Like, like, yo, Zen- like I the the way Prometheus like moved through everything, it kind of felt like the same way that when I figured out Psycho Pirate was a mastermind of most of the stuff that happened to Batman, which is just no, stop. <laughs> I hate it when they try to retroactively make a villain progressively more badass than they were. Right. It always just feels like they slap all these unearned feats on one guy, and it's just, can you not? Prometheus doesn't deserve all this juice. Yeah, it's it's, it's rough. I I think, because like I said earlier in the show, you kind of have to compare Cry for Justice and Identity Crisis just kind of in terms of absurdity. I think Identity Crisis worked in a sense because the fact that it ended in a way that nobody kind of expected. I mean, they give it away upon, like, when you're rereading it, that you can see that they really do give it away early on that Jean was the one who killed Sudibney. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert for a book that's like 15 years old, by the way. Um,. But it, I mean, they can't be mad, though. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's... You can see the effort in Identity Crisis that does not exist in Cry for Justice. Yeah. Because, okay, hmm, let's have Prometheus do it. Because why? Because that would be a twist. Like, And not only that, they, like, retcon everything that makes Prometheus seem more badass than he has been in, like, ages. Cry for Justice is the shitty M. Night Shyamalan twist of comic books. I mean, uh, Wally West's suicide was pretty pretty bad. Yeah. 
Heroes in Crisis is something that I wish would just erase from canon. And now we have Wally West trying to like be Dr. Manhattan, and I'm not looking forward to that. Did you hear about that, Travis? Yeah, I saw it. Just because he like dissolved the Mobius chair, and now in Flash Forward, Wally's got it, and now he's got the symbol on his forehead. God Toilet. God Toilet? That's what it is. That is what it is. <laughs> well, it looks that like I sat on the toilet and was like, "Who is the Joker?" Holy shit! It's three people. And, it, and just, I, it, I, it looks like a really fancy toilet. Like, and what's even crazy is that three Joker shit. It's been four years, and we still haven't got resolution on that three Joker shit. And that's the downside of the God Toilet. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, we we have sat here and shit talked this this event. Next week we will be trial. I I think we should go to Marvel next because uh, we've been rocking DC for a hot minute. I feel like we should do something Marvel themed next week. We will have to like we will have to do to put some thoughts. But if you have an idea of what next episode we should talk about or just a future episode in general, you can uh, shoot us an email at PTP well, at PCP podcast uh, at on slash comment. Well, not slash Jesus. Let me let me start over. Yeah, it is PTP podcast at on dash comics dash ground dot com. If you want to shoot us an email to, t- to tell us what you think about that, we will include that in the show notes. We will tweet it out for you folks. That way you can uh, like shoot us an email and let us know what you want us to talk about. This event is rough. I remember as a child thinking this was the shit. I loved Starman as a character. I liked it so much that I went back and read Robinson's old run. And like I just like, like I just love the idea that there was like a gay hero in this book so much, and I it clouded my judgment for so many years. And then I went back and reread it to, uh, the today, and was like, damn, I was a dumbass kid. <laughs> like I understand why Mary wants to kill me now. <laughs> and what made it worse was I went I, I, I after I finished reading Cry for Justice over again, I read parts of James Robinson's Run on Justice League. It was like it doesn't go up from here. It just goes down <laughs> because all of James Robinson's run is Donna Troy is told by Wonder Woman that she needs to start a new Justice League because Vixen's team failed and they need a new team. So she calls Starfire, Dick Grayson, Batman, and Cyborg to help her. And then randomly Bill and, and Starman show up like, hey guys, can we help? And, it, and the book just kind of goes. And they, lo- they they have Green Arrow and Green Lantern at first, but one Green Arrow kills Prometheus. He gets pieced out the book, and then Green Lantern leaves to go, and, and then Black Canary is like there for like five minutes to help. And, and both him and her go to, go to hunt down Oliver. And then Batman gets involved in his stuff because of trying to track down Bruce in, in, in the time stream. And, and, and then uh, Starfire leaves, and the book just ends up being Donna and Bill and Star- Starman and Doctor Light for like five minutes. It's it's so bad, it's so bad. So th- th- we do not recommend that as reading because it's very bad. But you know, I just realized that we haven't done recommended reading in a while. <laughs> that just hit me. So, does that, uh, Mary, do you have a book that's coming out uh, the next week that you want to recommend to people? Runaways. 
Oh, Runaways does come out next week. You're right. Yeah, Runaways comes out next week. I've been enjoying the uh, the deconstructionist nature of the Doc Justice story arc because he's basically just Batman, and all of his sidekicks have died horribly throughout the years. Damn. And at its at its heart, Runaways is a deconstructionist book. It, I mean, it always was. They're the antithesis to the Teen Titans. So yeah. it, it's really fun to see the Runaways kind of return to that satirical deconstructionist nature. And I've just been having a lot of fun with it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Travis, is there a book that you like to recommend to people for, uh, for next week they should pick up at the local comic book shop? Uh, actually, this just came out last Wednesday, but go pick up Thor number three. Okay. Yeah. So last week's book you want to recommend to people. Okay. Thor number three. Yeah, well, is there a reason it, why? It's uh, it's one of the coldest interactions between Thor and Beta Ray Bill I've ever read in my entire life. Ever. Ugh, I don't want to spoil it, but when you see it, you just know. Oh my god. Yeah, it was pretty visceral. <laughs> I haven't uh, read it yet. I'll take yours. Ugh, Mary. It's sitting, it's sitting, literally, it's sitting three inches to my left in my giant ass to read pile. I just haven't gotten there yet. But needless to say, Donnie Cates is killing it on Thor right now. Y'all should, y'all should check yeah. that out. Yeah. It, 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 he, he made this whole Herald of Galactus thing make sense. And then the moral quandary of the purest Thor fans and then, you know, the people who like what's happening kind of comes to a head in the symbolism of Beta Ray Bill and Thor. Yeah, that's that's very true. And then my recommendation, for, I, I'll, I'll give two. Actually, I'll give three, because I'm, I'm, I'm that nice of a guy. Next week, we have Aquaman number 55 from uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and, Rob, and Robson Roca. This run has just been, like, weirdly paced, and, and but still kind of going... Because you've had Arthur trying to regain his memories, but also dealing with the fact that Mera's now queen, but he's not king. And there was almost this whole thing where Volko was going to marry um, Art, like Mera, to, that way she could keep the throne, and, and, and then she's pregnant. And, and now th- things are about to go down in the book, and, and it just it, it's a lot. So I, I recommend it, but... Kelly Sue, I I I need you to get a, a better status quo going for Arthur because like you're you're starting to, to turn into Abnett when it comes to like your pacing, and I'm not liking that. So like I'm I'm a hold out and I'm gonna stick to I'm stick with it. I, I'm I'm giving you some hope. I'm recommending it because I have hope. So and also the way that the uh, 57 is written, I I highly recommend it. So please go check it out. Another one of my recommendations is Bitterroot, uh, number six, finally drops from, from Image and David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and um, Samper Green. So please go get that. Support the release. It is amazing. It's one of the best books of 2019. So please come enjoy the return of this book. Also, Chuck Brown's On the Stump comes out next week. Um, it's a political boxing thing. It's really good. I highly recommend it. We're gonna have him as a guest on uh, Blurred Grounds this coming week, so you'll get to hear his opinions on like like everything and get his straight from him. So look out for that. But yeah, um, that those, those are our recommendations. Mary, what is your closing statement for episode number thirty of Blurred? Oh, not Blurred Grounds. Jesus Christ! Panel to panel. I, I rock on two podcasts. I, well, I don't think I'm on that show. Yeah, no. Um, I wonder what, what's your. I know what I was just talking about. I got confused. 
what is your uh, closing statement for episode 30 of Panel to Panel? Dumpster fire. <laughs> dumpster it's, fire? It's not even a dumpster fire. It's like a, it's a landfill fire. Like, <laughs> a, a tire fire in a landfill that is also on fire that is somehow in an even larger dumpster and the dumpster itself is on fire. That is this book. <laughs> like, Travis, I, you go top that? Ah, uh, man. Just Tom King needs to stop reading this arc. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, my closing statement is: I, I, I remember this book being better as a child. I, I regret my choices in life. Um, and also support your local Kyle bookshop. We will be back next week with a brand new episode for you, folks. And like, we will catch you, folks, next time right here at Panel to Panel. Peace out.